The Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast is brought to you by Big Crystal. Don't believe what you hear. It's not siphoning all the life ether out of the world. It's making everything great. Do you want to go and light a cigarette yourself? No, you don't. Use Crystal Brand Crystals from your papa, Big Crystal. Hi everyone, this is uh, Blue Highwind, and this is the Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast. How are you all doing? I I just woke up this morning, pulled myself a big bowl of cereal, and used the crystal to make milk, and it was great. <laughs> what does crystal milk taste like? Um, earthy. Nicotine. It's got all, it, vitamins and minerals. You know, they don't have to put it in the cereal, because they put it all in the crystal. <laughs> How else am I going to have my crunchy cereal with more milk if I don't use a crystal to heat the milk? It's so crunchy that your teeth shatter. Maybe Just replace your teeth with more crystals. Yeah, Problem exactly. solved. Yeah, Crystalline teeth. So uh, we are gathered here tonight for um, Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13? No, 14, 15... We don't talk about 13. Uh, 15, no, we did 15 last month. It can't be 15. Uh, I want to say 17? No, 16. Look, look just, just, you just look at the just look at the thing and you know, math it out. Yeah. Final Fantasy 10 plus Final Fantasy 5 plus Final Fantasy 1 equals Final Fantasy 16. Probably. I think that's how math works. Okay. <clears throat> Final Fantasy 2 plus God of War equals Final Fantasy 16. How about that? Perfect. Yeah. All right. So if you've never listened to this podcast before, we're the Final Fantasy Wiki. We're the greatest compendium of Final Fantasy knowledge anywhere in the world, on the internet. Uh, do not believe the lies that a wiki on a video game is as good as the real thing. No, you should go to www.finalfantasywiki.com. Or whatever our URL uh, actually is. Once again, not our website. <laughs> not, no, it's not. It's ffwiki.fandom.com. Right? No. No, <laughs> no it's finalfantasy.fandom.com is the URL. But going to finalfantasywiki.com actually takes us to some sort of weird fake site um, that yeah. has 629 articles. You gotta love it. Oh, that's, anyway, sorry, gone. 629 articles, is that as many as Martin Luther nailed to the church? I'm pretty sure that's yeah. He, when he nailed his his, his, oh, his theses. 429 theses about crystals yeah. taking over the world of the church, yeah. okay. he just didn't listen. Uh, so we're a monthly podcast and we talk about Final Fantasy things. Usually we're scrounging desperately for content. Not this time because this is actually the second podcast of the month of June. Also, a big new Final Fantasy game came out a week ago. Also, everyone should introduce themselves. I think I said I was Blue Highwind already. Uh, 8-Bit, say hi. Hello, I'm 8-Bit, and I represent Big Pharma, and also Big Crystal by extension. Okay. Skate, say hi. Hi, I represent uh, Big Law and also Big Crystal. Some color mage. Hi, I'm just Big. And you just said... <laughs> just hi. <laughs> I also represent Big Pharma because Big Pharma is really big. 
Okay, and I represent big medical billing, I guess. The nightmare. You're also a big pharma. Oh, yeah, you know what? I work for a pharmacy, so yes, I do represent big pharma. <laughs> it, the tendrils are everywhere. We're all in on the grand conspiracy. So, this game came out a week ago. I'm currently about nine hours in. How far is everybody? Uh, I think we're probably about 20 hours in, I'd imagine. Same. I, I think I'm yeah. equivalent with those two, yep. I am pretty sure I'm the furthest in. Like, I'm a, I'm a few hours ahead of Unit Scave. Like, I have pretty much completed the the third of the four big areas and uh, at the moment just in the middle of stuff in between like wrapping up that and starting the the next and like i guess the final story arc of the game okay so since none of us have beaten this this means this will not be our final opinions so if you're furious at what you hear and think that maybe you should go and threaten us in some horrible way like people have done in the past. Please don't do that. Calm down. Our final opinion will be out next month. And then you can go and say whatever horrible thing you have in mind. Or please don't, actually. It's not constructive in any way. Uh, yeah, but And it definitely will be a next month thing because uh, like, we'll get to new stuff later. But there's something important going on the final weekend of this month. So we'll probably have to delay that recording a week oh because july's last thing is final fantasy 14 right yeah july yes okay um so maybe we'll release this one early july and then that'll be the august podcast and then we'll be an early month podcast no i don't want to do that i I like end of the month well We'll get back to end of the month eventually. They can't uh, keep dropping things on us at the very end of the month uh, every every month. Maybe. I mean, ever crisis will happen. I don't know when that's going to be. So, um, because of how far we've gotten, and I've gotten half as far as everyone else, um, I think our spoiler wall here will go as far as Clive reaching his 30s. So anytime that Clive is in his 20s, everything before that, that's fair game. I don't mind if you spoil me. Everything past that, I think roughly we should avoid big spoilers, like story stuff. Uh, game spoilers, I think, are fair game no matter what. Like gameplay spoilers. Yeah, and that's I mean, just wiki rules. Gameplay spoilers yeah. aren't real spoilers. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, we shouldn't talk about how Clive settles down and finally buys his own house, uh, learns how to play guitar um, in his 30s. <laughs> he, you know goes out for you know you know he he tries to change career paths but decides that in the end he's actually pretty happy being a murder hobo um and uh you know that's that's and the rest of the game is actually just kind of a a farming simulator so kind of interesting so it's the witcher 3 blood and wine dlc that's what this game turns into okay i will say it is interesting that even though it's been 18 years since i started playing final fantasy games Clive is still, I think, older than me in his final incarnation. Yeah, yeah. he's like 33, I think, at the end of the game or something like that. A very symbolic age. You know who was 33 at the end of his life? No. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
I wish I had a funnier yeah, answer for that, but I, I didn't actually. It's <laughs> just Jesus. I, I don't know why, but the first thought that popped in my mind was Every Skawa, but he was not 33 at the end of no, his life. No, he was life. only 21. Anyway. Famous, famous French mathematicians. Yeah, we, the second, there's a, the secret fourth half of the game where Clive becomes a prophet and wanders the desert and then is eventually crucified. It's actually a very controversial game, which is why it was banned in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay. Oh, also, um, I did not get the answer of the hot uh, Saudi Arabia unfriendly scene yet. I guess that's when Clive's in his 30s. Yeah, yeah. that is... Uh, that is. I mean, most of the story arcs uh, revolve around the random Mother Crystal. That's, like, related to a fourth Mother Crystal guy. <laughs> okay. Clive, however, did have a nude scene. Yep. That's correct. Which there's a there's quite a few new teams uh, in this game so far. I've seen uh, half the dominance naked. Okay. What the, what was interesting about Clive's nude scene though is that he was wearing his clothes before that, and then he was not wearing his clothes, meaning that Sid must have undressed him and then thrown him in the cell, because he was totally dressed before he had you know had his big moment. Even after his big moment. You know, it's just it's just one of those things, you know. It's, it's one of those deep lures that Sid mm -hmm. actually just has in, a, a compulsive desire to scrub all of uh, Clyde's clothing, but he fights against it. I've seen <laughs> by the fact that he doesn't change his clothing after we in his 30s. It has become dirty and ragged. You know what? I guess that's technically spoilers. Yeah. You know what's interesting, though, is because there is a new Clive model in this game, that means when this game releases to PC... There will be a new Clive mod, like almost immediately, like within two days. Yeah, we we are going to find out within probably like one hour of the game coming out on PC whether or not uh, Square Enix model modeled the dominant sticks. <laughs> oh, there's there's the world race then. Who is the first dominant to get a nude model? Is it Benedicta? Yeah, you know what's interesting about all the nudity is that they covered up Austin Powers style. So despite the attempts of the game to be like ultra mature yeah, yeah that's like it, it's, <laughs> it's still like, kind of like comical scenes, i feel like the scenes with like the most camera changes are just the naked ones because they just keep cutting and panning around to make sure you can't see anything not even the butt crack <laughs> you know why even all right you know uh, there's a lot we need to say about this game but I guess we should get into it immediately. What is everyone's overall opinion of Final Fantasy 16, the 16th game in the Final Fantasy series? Do you have metrics or do you want us to just free speak? I think we should just free speak. How about... like I, You know what I want to do eventually? Like we, we have to reconvene and do the ranking Final Fantasy games podcast, but with 16 in there. We don't need to do that now. I just want to know what everyone's feeling is on the game. Like, general temperature in the room. Okay, I can start. Uh, I'm warm. Is warm good or warm bad? Warm is good. Warm is, warm is good, good. yeah. Warm. Cold I'm is warm. bad. So I've, I've recently, along uh, the trace, replayed Final Fantasy fifteen, as we talked about in the previous podcast. Or was it the podcast before this one? Anyway, it doesn't matter which one it was. Um, and that game is much, much, much worse than this game. Um, amazingly worse. 
uh, in, in pretty much almost every way. Um, except for the fact that, of course, when I was playing Final Fantasy XVI, I just wished that there were 16 tie-in enemies and books and, and cup noodles. They're all <laughs> necessary for the lore of the game. None of which yeah, seem the, to exist. The lack of cup noodles is a serious uh, negative, yeah. But, okay, but if they release episode six, I would definitely buy episode six. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Oh my god, yes, yes. Episode cup noodles. See, so uh, we are actually missing these tie-in DLCs and anime. It's yeah. just they need to be all Sid related. Yeah. Me? In terms of the, so the game itself is very fun. I think everyone agree. Most people I've spoke, spoken to and, and seen agree that the game is quite fun. Um, the combat is uh, easy, but. It's easy in such a way that you feel like you're going to lose a lot of the bosses, but then don't actually lose, which is, I think, fine. I don't think the game needs to be extremely hard, uh, especially because, you know, it's not meant to be super hard. Honestly, that's not the point of the game. It's kind of more like a cool, showy, power fantasy uh, game. Um, so the combat is obviously, it's obviously, it's probably one of the most fun, actively fun Final Fantasy games to just play. I mean, as much as we love turn-based combat and random encounters in this world. Um, this game is more fun than most Final Fantasy games. I think that the story is told in a much less incoherent manner than Final Fantasy 13 and 15, so um, that gives it points up over the last two entries that I've played that count. Um, and, uh, but there are uh, definitely some character beats and moments that are a problem, such as the main female heroine being a horrible character. Not just like as in not a character at all. Um, Jill never does anything and never 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 useful, um, and is is very very boring, very boring character. Um, and but I would say that I think that the game is clearly feels like a Final Fantasy game. I think it's a worthy addition to the series. I like the series always does things differently every single time, even if it's not always good. Not everything always works, but I think that the game uh, sets out what it wants to do and does it well enough. I mean, I would put it at the moment, it would go probably in the middle of the pack if we're going to do the grand ranking. It would be somewhere in the middle. It's above all the games that are not good. Uh, clearly above the oh. games that aren't good and finished, like 2 and 15 and um, like 13, all, all that sort of stuff. But I don't think it would, it doesn't really reach the heights of, you know, the big, the fab, the fab 4 of 12, um, 6, 7, and tactics, right? And nine, nine, well, that nine a yeah. Five. That's a fab, fab five. five. Yeah, the fifth beetle yeah. is Final Fantasy Nine. <laughs> yeah, that gets tactics. Tactics is is the peak best yeah. of okay of Final Fantasy games. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Tactics is Yoko Ono. Yes, I understand. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll go. I feel like I want to jump in. All right. So I love turn-based RPG games, and I also love games like Bayonetta, and you know. Um, platinum games, that sort of thing. I love Kingdom Hearts. I'm very picky when it comes to action RPGs. So I, my immediate thought with Final Fantasy 16 is this is a really, really good action RPG. I was so in love with every single boss fight I ran into. And everything was going great until I beat Garuda, the first major icon boss. Icons are the new summon forces. And they're the big cinematic moments, the, like, God of War-style, Bayonetta-style giant boss fight thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, this game's awesome. And then the game decided to be an RPG. Like, it's like, alright, now we actually have to be a Final Fantasy game. And for the last roughly three hours of the game, 
I've been doing the most boring, pointless, dry, empty, meaningless side quests. And then there was a brief moment where Clive fights Dark Clive, and it was like the most awesome thing ever again. And then it's right back to let's run around, pick up three things, go back to this guy, do this, do that. Uh, do I actually have to do all these side quests, by the way, guys? No. No? Unfortunately, there is not a negative in the sense that in the second half of the game, which we won't talk about too specifically because of spoilers, but in the second half of the game, the side quests become more meaningful and actually give you useful stuff. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, the main quest starts getting interspersed with tedious, random bullshit that happens oh, no. for hours upon the time. This is a big negative of the game. I forgot to mention. This is, this is probably my biggest negative besides Jill as a character is that the main quest just suddenly randomly grinds to a halt after great epic moments, literally for five hours, to make you collect random parts of a ship that does not get built, and then you go and have to go find a ticket that is lost for about another hour before you can continue doing anything fun. And this is a pretty big negative of the game. It happens constantly in this game, unfortunately. That's the biggest negative of this game. I mean, I'm overall quite positive, but this Uh is a pretty big negative. It does feel like they were trying to make a God of War-style game, which would be about 12, maybe 15 hours at most. And then it's like, all right, we have to have 40 hours of game here because this is a Final Fantasy game. And then they threw together just the most... I mean, even Final Fantasy XV had this a lot too. It Just the most utterly meaningless, bland, passionless side quests. You just go around and you grab three things and you walk over to the guy and you give him three things. And you know what's interesting? I, I was playing near the original one a couple of years ago, the PlayStation 4 remake of that. And that game has so many of these same style of dry side quests. But it feels like that game has some sort of commentary on the very nature of RPGs themselves and what your hero's doing and how they're going around being everyone's little bitch doing random stuff. That there's something intriguing about it. There's a kind of vibe to it. Where this, it just feels like this isn't even like the real game anymore. Like, I don't know if Yoshi P or the director were actually involved in this. Did they just like throw this to an intern to throw this together with what was left over with the engine? It's it's bad. That's really bad. And the difference between that and the exciting, awesome, fun boss fights, it's it's kind of shocking. It is definitely Yeah, it's like there's a very like clear breakpoint around that second time skip where below before that all the side quests are like, Wow, this world and everything in it fucking sucks. Maybe maybe you get to see an atrocity happen or something, but like you don't really get to do anything about it. Then like five years later you just realize Oh fuck, you're the protagonist. You're allowed to fix shit. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I just I- Oh, sorry, you could go on. I think the side quests in nature are quite like the Final Fantasy fourteen side quests, so if you enjoy those, I don't think you'll hate the ones in this game. Um, I think they're kind of a mixed bag overall. I'm probably less negative than Blue Highwind about this, in that I do quite enjoy some of the lore and getting to know the characters a bit more. Um, it's... In the first half of the game, there's not really that many side quests. There's like two or three at a time, and then there's a break of main quests between them. I think one of the problems is that I can see what they're trying to do in the structure of the game, where you have like big exciting moment, then a period of downtime, then big exciting moment again. Um, but the balance isn't quite right. 
um, between the two of those and it gets a little bit predictable to do that. There, there are some great side quests in the game though, which I'm happy that I've done. And I did the side quests because I wanted to know more about the characters rather than necessarily for the rewards I was getting from the side quests. I think uh, late in the game as well, Clive has become more appealing to me because there's just a sense that he's a nice, helpful person. Um, and the fact that he just sort of says, all right, in the same voice to everyone about these things making makes him seem like just a nice dude helping yeah, out. Just say, yeah, just saying the nicest, most polite stuff in the most gruff voice to, to what's his name, Ben Stark can manage. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, he's like frowning, and but he's just like, all right. You know what? I think Clive is actually Sora, but like grown up. I think that's who he secretly is. Like underneath all the edge and the... Uh, the big uh, breast-bearing suit that he's wearing with red, and he's not shaved, and his hair's Sora messy. Sora does wear red and black. That is yeah, indeed yeah. the Sora. It's a color scheme. He has a dog's. There's there's Goofy, and oh, you know what? Um, <laughs> Jill, 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 is so Jill is Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah, Jill is Donald Duck. Hey, Donald Duck also wears blue. <laughs> yes, it's a Kingdom Hearts game. And doesn't do anything well, in look, your party. Look, I'm Go going ahead. to. I'm going to vague because there's a technically Sora uh, uh, story spoilers, but uh, there is definitely one moment where I mean, most of us are in that in Yoon's private server. There's one point where in that channel I started yelling about Donald Duck for a reason. <laughs> I think I've heard this and we will, I guess we'll save that for next month. Uh, has everyone given their opinions? I think we're missing one person. Um, uh, I, okay, uh, I don't think... Ace, SEM, and I have actually given overall opinions yet. Okay. Uh, I mean, let me let me go. I at the moment, uh, you know, while it's certainly not my favourite in, in the series, and I can, so, and I can point to things that I don't quite like about it. Uh, I'm loving it. The um, and like I think the RPG systems are a little threadbare. Like, uh, the itemization is just bad. It's like, you know, you can't, uh, like, your weapons and armor may as well just not mean anything. It's just, oh, this does five more damage. And then 10 minutes later, this does five more damage. That is, like, probably, the I feel, the worst aspect about the game. That, you know, it just feels like the equipment system shouldn't exist. Um... But aside from that, I mean, I'm enjoying the story. I enjoy the hype moments. And, like, criticisms about Jill aside, like, I think she's a good character when she gets to do something, but the story barely lets her do anything. Um, I think this may be one of my favorite casts, aside from that one particular problem. Sid alone like, uh, is probably worth like nine other characters in another Final Fantasy game. He's so awesome. Yes, he's one of the best characters I've ever put out. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Sid is fucking amazing, but also I I love Clive. I I uh, think I love Dion. Uh, I think Mid is very good. Uh, no, no, Mid, Mid is canceled after. Okay, so I guess this is third. Yeah, we. These are first. all people I don't know Mid? yet. I, there's. I figured there's a mid. There has to be a mid eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah be uh, Benedicta. Uh, uh, yeah. Benedicta is a is a big fucking discourse magnet. I can tell already. 
She is a JRPG bad girl, like every trope involved with that. She's, you know, sexually active and thus will go crazy and have to be killed. It's not great. It's functional. It's better than Jill because there's something there at least where Jill, as far as I can tell, is nothing at all. Maybe they should stop naming characters Jill. There is uh, one. There is one character who is fucked up in plenty of very uncomfortable ways. But whenever that comes up, I just can't help but laugh at how fucking over the top they went with him. So, um, uh, and like the the base gameplay, I like. There are some things I'd like to see done better. Like, uh, like who. Yeah, for for the entire of the game, you're stuck with that one basic attack combo for your normal attacks, and uh, and that's a bit annoying because you are going to have to do that a lot. You know, it takes a while for uh, for your uh, special attacks to come off cooldown and stuff, but it still looks really good. And and this battle system is more about looking good than uh, you know, actual. Um, actual strategic decision making and stuff although later on you do unlock something that does actually make you uh consider what your abilities actually do and how to how to properly use them i like that pretty much every icon has at least one uh one block and counter move you can play extremely defensive if you know what you're doing um and still shit out tons of damage because those counters those counters are really powerful, uh, especially along with uh, one one thing that you get very early after the second time skip, which is an accessory that changes your precision dodge. So oh. that instead of doing the counter attack, uh, when you precision dodge, your attack string for for like five seconds or so changes to your limit break attack string. Okay, that. Yeah, I need so, to play so, these later bits because, I, yeah, I need to see more of this combat. The later bits do, I think, are a lot better, for sure. I really like later bits, except for the fact that the level of weirdness in between levels becomes a little bit larger. Maybe I'm just annoying because I'm in that section. Like, when you're in the section, or we just finished it, rather, when you're in the section that's annoying, you're like, this is, why, why is this happening to me? But then you're, <laughs> then when you get out of that section, you're, you're, you're fine again. It's just, it's just that weirdness when you're in the the weird slow sections that makes you more annoyed the game. But then when you're in the good section, this game is really, really good. It's one of the best, like, the best Final Fantasy games I've ever played in the good sections. It's strange in that way. I, I'd also like to point out, I, I can't believe that uh, Creative Business Unit 3 managed to pull it off again, where the thing that they advertise as the main draw of the story gets resolved about a third of the way through. <laughs> Like, there was a ton of advertising focusing on the revenge arc and stuff. And, like, it ends... That part ends well before the second time skip. The scene where that ends is one of the most hype moments of the game. But still, um, it is... It is actually... It is actually really uh, interesting how well uh, Creative Business Unit 3 in particular is uh, is getting at spoiler dodging yeah i was really impressed that the trailers were mostly about the first part of the game still made the game look exciting and there's lots more um to be excited about in this game 
I don't know if that stuff's actually done. Because to get more spoiler heavy, something is controlling Clive. And I'm guessing that that's going to be the evil god that we're going to overthrow and destroy. Because one must overthrow and destroy a god in a Final Fantasy game. Also, my prediction that Joshua is not actually dead. Um, I don't know if that's true. But I, I'm going to bet basically everything that Joshua is not actually dead. Or will come back controlled by the evil god and you will have to kill your brother as evil god. I mean... Yeah, you don't have to. Maybe. You don't have to. I, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> Smiles going. Smiles innocently. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone just starts. <laughs> everyone starts looking the other way, whistling, trying to put on their best poker face. <laughs> I, I think this game does a good job, even though it hasn't. You know, it it is done well in not revealing a lot about its second and third thirds. Um, I feel it does a good job at continuing what happens in the beginning. Um, there's enough. It gives you enough to chew on, um, and I think it has enough. It, the story makes sense in a way that, like, 15 and 13 kind of didn't. It's like, okay, we're doing this now. Yes, you know, the the valleys in between where you do random, like, crafting side quests is kind of like, oh, this is maybe pointless and maybe enjoyable. But I think the overarching plot so far, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm here. I see this. Uh, my sense of it is that the plot has, aside from being told more coherently, maybe a little bit overshot in terms of the slower pacing compared to 15. But what it really has is thrust, where you really are driven to know what is going to happen with this world, what's going to happen with these characters. Uh, these, there's lots of mysteries. Are they going to be resolved? Will they come together? Um, and I think that's a big plus in the game. Especially, I think the first five hours of the game are so intense that after the big Garuda battle, I was like, surely we have to take a break now. I can't take another five hours of this game if it's going to go at this same breakneck speed. Everything icon, icon is involved just keeps topping itself. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, the Phoenix fight in the, in the prologue, uh, that's okay, then the Garuda and different fighting. I mean, that one feels a little clunky, which I mean, I guess makes sense for story reasons because Clive has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Then you get the uh, the Dark Clive fight, which fucking rules. But yeah, like the Icon Viz only at the very end, and the, and that fucking rules. But you don't actually play as as if we're in that fight really. And uh, then. The next ones are after the time skip. No, this one, uh, this one before the time skip, the final boss of it. Oh, the oh right, one. yeah, that one. That, that one, really I forgot about that one, because that's, like, your opponent's technically not an icon, but yes. Um, yeah, and that is the one where Ifrit starts to feel really good to play as. Whoa, And then there's that? the... <laughs> that was Ifrit uh, talking. Just a motorcycle, okay. motorcycle outside. <laughs> okay. Um, and... I've... And then there's the first one post time skip, which, uh, which, um, like maybe some bits of it go a bit too long, but it's so completely awesome, and Soken is, uh, and Soken has just completely gone off the script of what he was supposed to be doing with the music, so he just just roll with it. 
I really enjoy the combat in this game as as well. I do think it's tuned a little bit too easy. Like, if Kingdom Hearts is not afraid to show 10-year-olds the game over scene over and over again, then the Final Fantasy series should not be afraid to show us the game over scene occasionally. Um, I'm not that great at uh, action RPGs, but I haven't died yet playing this game. Wow. Um, yeah, the only times I've lost are to hunts, and one of them is because the very first hunt has a fucking instant kill move. Oh, um, fuck. And, yeah. and the other one is because I tried to fight a level 50 enemy while I was level 38. Yeah, so, and we're playing on action mode without any of the timely accessories, so if you're worried about getting into this game because you're not good at uh, action RPGs, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the comments about uh, this. It's an inconsistent game. It's not a perfect game, but I think we're also harsher on this game because we're playing it at the moment compared to our idealized memories of 7, um, 9, and 12. Um, I think the combat realizes the great dream of Square Enix, which is they made Advent Children and they're like, the fights in Advent Children are extremely badass. Uh, let's try and make people feel like that. And then we made the entire fighting game series, which was just trying to recapture the high of looking really awesome um, during a fight. 15's got some of that as well as like, you just want Noctis to look really cool, but he's actually kind of lame when he fights instead. Whereas this game with Nail, that Clive looks extremely cool. You're playing Advent Children. Seven Remake actually ends on the Advent Children fight. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I up, kind of admit to the Advent and fighting him in Decidia because like, I know that uh, like when I first got there, uh, you know, Sephiroth's counter move, I immediately knew what to uh, just to hold off because the attack has the exact same name as it does in Decidia. Okay, I don't remember um, Decidia at all at this we, point. We we bought a PlayStation 5 basically as future insurance to play Final Fantasy 16 and Kingdom Hearts 4, and I'm happy with my purchase. I think it's my overall opinion. And <laughs> my biggest problem with this game is I think the writing of the women is bad. It's, yeah, it's quite bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think actually that 15, as much as we like to malign it, has better writing of both women and characters in, in general, minus Sid, who's amazing. I, I was going to say, the first section that really started to bore me is a Clive and Jill section, which was weird. It, it was very strange because this is the first time that Clive and Jill had met in what the game calls has been 13 years, though right, the way the yeah. plot moves, it feels like it's more like six months. Like, nothing happened during those 13 years to either one of them, as far as I can tell. Maybe I'll find out later. But, you know, these two were childhood best friends. I don't know if there was a romance. There was kind of some sort of thing with a moon scene that kind of felt Final Fantasy IV. -y. But there, there should be a tension here. There should be a kind of rapport. There should be an awkwardness of these two characters meeting together. And there's just, there's none of that here. They, they don't even talk until like ninety minutes of boring side quests later. And I don't know. I feel like Naughty Dog kind of ruined this sort of game when. They made games like um, Uncharted Lost Legacy, where the two characters, you could go and do meandering, boring side quest stuff, but the two characters have a running conversation the whole time, and it's so compelling and interesting. 
that no matter how dull the game gets, the character work saves the day. And they just didn't do it because as far as I can tell in this game, I'm going to be brutal with this. It seems like they just did not care about the character of Jill. Just have no interest to write about this person. No interest in what they can contribute. I don't even know why they're here. Just well, other than you have to have a girl. So, sorry, yeah. Final Fantasy 15 does this really well, actually. You're doing yeah. random, tedious bullshit, but the characters are talking and they're interesting and they're having fun about it. It feels like, you know, the road trip experience. But this game just doesn't do that. Like, the characters are silent when you go in. And I think the reason is because you could have any people in your party at any moment during a quest, so you they don't want to you know, write a million different pieces of dialogue for in case Jill is there or not. But it feels like it would just make Jill such such a more of a flesh out character if she's like you're fighting a big a big dragon and Jill's like, I love dragons. I don't know, it doesn't have to be any it doesn't be it doesn't be deeper than that necessarily. Just any sort of dialogue at all, right? Something. There are missed opportunities to give her I think a bit more body as a character. Um it's like it's very they they peg her into this like, okay, this is her arc that she's going to go on when you get past, um, you know, a bit farther past Garuda. Um, and it's kind of, I feel like everything where it, the camera tries to pan to her, it's almost as if they just let Clive have, oh, look, here's more exposition on Clive, which is great. I love Clive. But Jill is often just the person nodding in the background or like, oh, yes, that happened. What do you think about that, Clive? Or wasn't that nice? And it's like, I don't know. It, it wouldn't take too much. They have a couple cutscenes where they approach some definition and they just don't take it. I right. Think. Like, like um, I said, I think it's fine. I think she's fine when she gets to do something. But she'll have like one dungeon where she's uh, she's a focus point of of the uh, of the story happening, and then she'll fall out of the plot for an entire story arc. Yeah, yeah. The blocking is so weird on the scenes when she's around for the side quests because she's like a major character, but the way she's standing, she might as well be one of the anonymous like pre-made uh, Unreal Engine four characters that you're talking to. Yeah, like like no party members are allowed to interact with the side quests except for Clive and Torgal, which, and a lot of the time Torgal doesn't either, which, it's very missed opportunity. Like yeah. you don't need to consider every option; you just need to consider, okay, what if you're doing this as soon as it becomes available, and then have a fallback if you know the people that uh, would be there at the time aren't present. Like, I think the other problem is she just has no chemistry with Clive and not even in so much the romantic sense. But I think Clive is, I really like Clive. I think he's a great character. Maybe we can talk about characters in general in this game next. Um, but he's kind of a, he's very deadpan. He's quite understated except when he's angry or crying. Man, he's in touch with his emotions. And I think he needs characters who are larger than life and wackier for him to bounce off. Otherwise, the game kind of loses a bit of energy. Um, and I think that's why Sid works, is because he's a larger than life, loud, wacky character who forces yeah. Clive to react to him. Whereas Clive is just kind of, all right. Yeah, Sid, Sid has that energy. Uh, Byron has some of that energy. But, Gav. But like, yeah, Gav has that energy. But but Jill, aside from one bit where where like it can basically be uh, to find us, hey, can I have a revenge arc? You had your revenge arc. <laughs> um, she 
and and Clive is just hell yeah, let's go get revenge. Uh, Clive says and, all right to it in the same tone he says all right to everything else. Yeah, for, for starters, Clive is a very stoic man already. Uh, it doesn't. Um, yeah, aside from that one bit, which still has Clive being a bit of an underreaction, it's it doesn't play off well. I want a two-hour compilation of him saying all right to everything. You know what it reminds me of? It feels like, what if Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, but instead of, you know, over the, like, big characters like Aerith and Tifa and Barrett are around him, it's Rosa from Final Fantasy IV. So you have two mostly quiet, unassuming characters just standing next to each other, and then nothing happens, because nobody can start a conversation. It's the problem is that Clive himself is actually a, a good character. The problem is that he needs someone to play off, right? When you have Sid there or his or you know Lord Byron or Gav, then Clive becomes it's becomes the interactions become amusing. He's someone to talk to. They're wacky characters, but Jill is just not that at all. I kind of wish that yeah, she had Jill... become like a maniac or a psychopath or something. Yeah, time together would be more fun. Yeah, I think I think Jill does clear the bar of being better than Rosa, but um... I mean, does she? Yeah, I, I, I hope think so. she does. I okay, mean, not right. not least because of the voice actress and like the level she does. She does get a dedicated arc, and we're not done with the story. I mean, without I mean, I don't know gameplay wise, but you get access to icon powers, and there's some icon powers left to unlock. Okay. So I mean, uh, I would hope right. she's back in the business in some way related to her powers. But yeah, I mean, she could Clive... she could turn evil now that you bring that up. I do need to get those Shiva yeah, I mean, powers in my sphere yeah. grid. Um, yeah. I I mean, I guess Icon Order isn't exactly spoilers and I don't know. No, it when... is. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell us. Don't tell me. Because then it, it determines where we're going next. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the next, you, you don't realize that the last icon is the Parisian fashion icon. Correct. Leviathan. Oh, no. Well, that's the other thing, too, right? There's, like, certain spots available. So uh-huh. it's like, oh, who is it? Who is it going to be? Anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I don't okay, know if Leviathan's in this game. This way, <laughs> I don't think Leviathan's uh, in this game. How about I phrase it this way? You know, I'm, you know, partly into the third act, and I don't have Shiva yet. Interesting. All right, so something uh, Also something note has to happen. that there's room on the ring for what looks like seven icons. And there are eight in this game. Uh, does uh, a freak your get big, his? Does a freak get your, his own no, ring your big, center, your big center circle is considered to be a freak. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. but if like, is not listed as one five, of the eight, right, that's where all the uh, all the Ifrit abilities appear. Okay, so no, no. Phoenix, so at the start of the game, they say that there are eight there are eight icons, and Ifrit is not. One of them because Ifrit is the second fire icon. Okay, it's right. not listed. So Phoenix, there is Garuda, there should be eight. Uh, Ramu, Bahamut, Odin. That's five. Titan. Yeah, that's six. Oh, Shiva. That's seven. So yeah, there is an eighth one that's missing. You're right. So that I'm hoping that's like a big. Maybe it's not going to be that important, but I would like to remain somewhat in the mystery of that because I I think. It will be, you know, there's going to be one exclusion, and I think it's important who that exclusion. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be like, oh no, this eighth icon. Never mind. But I'm hoping that'll be some level of spiciness. Leviathan just had some awkward social media posts before the oh, no. game had to be removed last. Oh, Leviathan man. is phoning it in. 
Leviathan yeah, is telling just... us that we have to go and believe in institutions right now. And even if we distrust what the Supreme Court is telling us, we have to just go and trust their judgment, you know? Yeah, Levi- Leviathan believes really heavily in the status quo. And is yeah. actually, a, it's really weird how Leviathan just like, turns out to be like a terrible Twitter talking head. And, and just, yeah, we're all happy with Leviathan. Well, well that's okay, because uh, Musk broke Twitter again, and now nobody can see their terrible posts unless they have an account, which why would you? <laughs> well, maybe you're a sad addict like me, and are still trying to go and win the Twitter game. Um, Alright, where were we? Anyway. <laughs> uh, I think... A character still, right? Um, we haven't really yeah. said why Sid rules so much, right? Like, we just said that he rules. We should probably, like, describe what's so it's awesome about this guy. because he's a hot Sid who fucks. That's all there he is, is to a, He is a he's hot He's Mysterious Sid. Thunder Daddy. Mysterious yeah. Thunder Daddy is a guy that I read that said he I, is, I agree. He's the most daddy that any Final Fantasy character has ever been. In the entire history of this series, no one has ever been more daddy than Sid is in this game. His voice is so deep, it's almost uh, subsonic. I know. Every time I hear it, I'm surprised by how deep it is. I can't understand a fourth of what he says, but it's fine. Yeah, he I is mean, the he's... actor from The Witch. Um, let me find his name. If you haven't uh, seen Ralph The Innocent. Witch. Yes, Ralph Innocent. If you haven't seen The Witch, by the way, incredible movie. And his I... very deep voice is great in it. Yeah, go on. Sorry. I think a great thing about... Sorry. I, th- I think a great thing about Sid is... Um, I mean, I was a bit worried about the game being too edgy, but Sid is, despite being super awesome, he's not an edgy person in terms of morality. He's genuinely trying to help Clive stage his Clive intervention to, to make sure that the poor boy does not throw himself off the nearest uh, bridge. Um, he believes in freedom and liberty for people and fighting for what's right and the good fight, all of that. Um and that it's worth trying and worth believing in people. Like, he's inspiring in that way. And he's also mega awesome and oozes style. And he's but not one. And he's not infallible, which I think is excellent. Like, there are certain points where he admits failure. He admits, um, not ignorance, but, like, he, he just doesn't have a good answer. You know, he kind of falls back mm-hmm. on what he believes on. There's a level of, I think, despite the fact that, you know, Thunder God Sid is perhaps the, you know, one element of inspiration. I think there's a level of um, humanness and humility to him that makes him um, very well-rounded and very believable. He also jobs for Clive because he he gets his ass kicked by Benedicta. And then, you know, you get to go and go and beat Benedicta right there. So he's doing his great job yeah. as a side character. Yeah, and considering what happens at the end of that Garuda bit, like yeah, he was totally jobbing because like yeah, yeah, he's still he's still you know ready to go full power the second shit actually goes south. Oh yeah. Oh by the way, Ramu has boobs. There's totally boobs on that model. What is going on there? Is that just like how all men are in this universe? They just have like gigantic pecs. Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah. Cl- and it's, Clive's it's, it's, built like a fucking Dorito. <laughs> well, there you go. You can get the gamers in on your game by going and making your character Dorito-shaped. <laughs> I, I go in and out on whether or not Clive's costume is hideously ugly or good. It's hard for me to tell, honestly. 
You know, considering how much of this game so far is me just trying to, like, sneak through the world and pretend that I'm an ex-character slave or whatever, the fact that I'm wearing this gigantic, flowing Final Fantasy character costume, it's like, how is anyone not noticing this guy? I think no one else is wearing it either, which makes it funnier, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like, I'm incognito in my dad's old armor? And my giant dog that follows me everywhere, that totally everyone has, yes. And why do people keep trying to mess with Clive? He's so scary looking, and they're like, nah, I could totally take you, you bear a scum. And I was like, like, have we looked at this dude? They see the fucking tattoo on his face, and they're all like, oh yeah, I can take him. Yeah, there's a... We haven't really talked story much, but like, a major plot point of this game is the fact that this is a world that runs on slavery. Another plot point is that it runs on eco-disaster. I've just gotten to that one. But uh, there's a race or class of people uh, who are bearers who, I think if I understand correctly, they are the ones that are able to use magic. And for most of the world, yeah, they're treated... they can use magic without oh. the aid of a crystal. Mm-hmm. But it comes at the cost of, like, destroying their own body. Okay. So. Yeah, and they... um, What was I got? All right, so... The world treats them as effectively slaves, and you end up getting this big tattoo on your cheek. And I'm guessing that a major plot point is eventually going to be the liberation of these people and a kind of social equality element. Um, I've also read Gita Jackson's review on Poly—not Polygon. Yeah, Polygon. And uh, they were not very charitable to this game and how it manages to handle the social justice elements. It sounds like this is all stuff that ends up getting fumbled, in their opinion. But I guess I'll have I to go see myself. The review, ultimately. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a bit of a strange critique. Um, uh, to be honest, but you don't say. I I don't say that it, I wouldn't say that it's you know the most socially conscious discussion of slavery ever made, obviously. But I don't think it's damningly bad. Um, I don't think you can expect like an extremely academic and you know twenty first century method of addressing this issue like uh you're um you're definitely still uh kind of being quite the abolitionist and like even when everything starts going to hell you're basically still trying to build your society where where bearers are just allowed to be left the fuck alone i i i haven't read the polygon review but my understanding was they felt that the game spent a lot of time trying to teach Clive, that slavery was bad, I think was the thrust of part of it. That was quite a shallow take. I mean, if that's if that's the take, I uh, I strongly disagree with that. I'm yeah. pretty sure Clive yeah. already knows that slavery is bad before the end of the prologue. He also gets sold having been a slave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he he is like in the prologue, he's he's presented as you know. The, as probably the person who is the most sympathetic to bearers, even if, you know, he's a rich white boy who doesn't quite get the issues. And, and you know, just being sold into slavery for 13 years just kind of cements that, uh, that he believes the system sucks. Yeah, there I, was... I, not... Oh, I'll go, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a scene I just ran into where Clive seemed to all at once figure out that you actually can fight against systems of injustice, which I thought was a little clunky, but also wasn't, um, I don't know, it wasn't damning the entire game, because Clive, as I've said before, is basically a Sora, and it doesn't seem like he 
uh, he doesn't have all that much upstairs, frankly. He's he's only just figuring things out now. <laughs> Clive has a bit of a one-track mind. Uh, like he goes from from get get revenge to uh, may, maybe maybe destroy the the systems of society and stop slavery to fixing the things that that has kind of become a personal issue, but that might also might also save the world while also destroying the uh, the system of society we live on that encourages slavery. So that's that's still a win. Yeah, uh, Uni, you were saying. Sorry. I think it's much more a story about Clive realising that there's a personal story about Clive realising there are things that perhaps he could put his talents of being a murder hobo to um, <laughs> and not be so depressed rather than realising that slavery is bad. It's more about him breaking out of his personal funk. Okay, uh, this actually transitions to one thing I've wanted to say about this game. Everyone compares this game to Game of Thrones. And I can see that because there are a lot of British actors and there's um, completely unnecessary scenes in a brothel that went nowhere and weren't even all that explicit, ultimately. I would say this game reminds me more of the Stormlight Archive, the Brandon Sanderson story uh, books, with uh, especially Way of Kings. Uh, you know how that game, that book opens with the main character as a slave. It's a world where... It's very desolate, and magic is basically how the empires run. And uh, there's a lot of evil gods coming to go and crash upon the world. And that, that book series already kind of feels like a sort of a dark Final Fantasy game. So if you make Final yeah. Fantasy a little edgy in that direction, you end up kind of in a Brandon Sanderson mode. Yeah, also completely sexless. I think the opening has uh, quite a bit of Game of Thrones in it, but yeah, the further you get into the story, the more this becomes a very Final Fantasy ass Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, the opening does set up a family dynamic that doesn't really go anywhere. Like they they kind of abandon that almost immediately. That felt very Game of Thrones. That was very House Stark uh, with an evil mom. Yeah, Cloud's most evil mother. The world's most evil mother in the entire universe that has ever existed. Well, so Kaladin is not sexless. Kaladin has had awkward romantic moments. I don't know, maybe there's more in the fourth book I haven't gotten into. I think it's a great comparison, though, just, uh, just on, like, archive. Um, I think um, Game of Thrones is very cynical, Whereas I think this game is surprisingly uh, quite idealistic about the ability of people to try and create a better world for themselves. Yeah, yeah like I said earlier, that, that second time skip does mark a point where things shift from the world sucks to the world currently sucks, but you can certainly fix this with your fists. <laughs> as long as you're Dorito shaped, you could go and bring justice to a world. Dethrone and attack God, yes. Yes. With your Dorito shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we need to cover? Uh, 8-Bit, I think you were trying to get a point out, right? Um, I forgot what that point from two minutes ago. I guess I didn't really fully flesh out, I guess, my overall asp- uh, opinion of the game. Um, I think that, as we discussed earlier, this game has very excellent peaks. And uh, multiple people have said it's a ma- it's a way of dealing with um, the in-betweens. I think gameplay-wise, um, 
this maintains attention. Um, there's something just really satisfying with this, like, I don't know. The, the Garuda playstyle is excellent. I, I love it. But I feel there's, like, it'll hold your attention. Um, you know, we can get into all those, I guess, kind of controversies about, like, I don't know how this game handles certain, you know, um, real life things. But I feel that there's a lot of, there's a lot that has been, like, leveraged against it or assumed about it or like oh it's gonna bomb because of this that is really not valid i think um just like how game of thrones wise you expect game of thrones and then 10 hours in you have yourself a final fantasy um i think that once you get past the slog perhaps of that post garuda pre spoilers other thing um you have this game hits its stride i think there's a lot of negativity on the internet about this game, um, which probably I shouldn't listen to, um, and I, I don't usually, but it was interesting, to be honest, to see that this game doesn't seem popular among people at mine, at the very least. Yeah, um, I don't know how much you can take anything, because, I mean, what what's the internet happy about these days? Nothing. I mean, they're yeah. haters. I mean, there's definitely, this game has, I, I, don't, I don't even want to say the word haters, it's just to dismiss people's critiques, but there are just some haters. To be honest, in the... no, I, I think um, I, mean, I don't want to dismiss yeah. anyone's critique either, but it's very clear that the current engines of online discourse are let's go and bring out the most negative opinions. And that level of controversy in of itself kind of drives a fandom. Um, that, this is something like, you know, I, I Homestuck was a lot of this where there was a lot of anti fandom that became fandom. So if you get a negative temperature on something, it's fine. The one thing you don't want is apathy. Right now, the DC superhero movies, total apathy. No one cares. There's not even haters yeah, like, to those things. But Final Fantasy 16 has tons of haters, and that is almost a sign of life in of itself. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, I don't want to invalidate criticism, because we've had a bunch of criticisms, and there are some of those that are valid, but then there are some that are just, like blatantly incorrect like yeah and lazy, some of it is yeah. not even lazy but sometimes just fucking malicious miswording of what uh, other people have said like like oh god i hate having to bring this up but the whole old racism debacle where no, people well, acted yeah. like yeshida said that the that this nation that this world had no black it has no has nothing other than you know white european blah 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 about half of the playtime I've had so far in this game has been the country full of people of color. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, a lot of people who look like they're North African or Arabic in this game, which... accurate I, representation? I think the most manufactured controversy has been the whole thing about Final Fantasy's not turn-based anymore. And, and it feels like half the internet... It's, like, it's has, welcome to the 1990s. Yeah, it's like half the internet's like... There are 16 like, games in the, in the main series. Four of them are turn-based. And are, one of them is not even the fourth game in the series. Okay, but even like active time battle system is extremely... Looks like a turn-based game. That's functionally that. But it, it feels like everyone has been asleep since Final Fantasy IX. It's like, no, ev everything's changed. The series has not yeah. been that kind of game in 20 years. It's been not that kind of game longer than it was that kind of game. Yeah, it's strange, honestly. 
One of the things I really admire about Square Enix as a company is that they try to do new things. And I mean, I've enjoyed Tears of the Kingdom a lot, but it's not that much different from Breath of the Wild. It's Breath of the Wild, but better. Whereas this is a completely different game to Final Fantasy XV, which is a completely different game to to thirteen. Um, Yoshi P put out a statement uh, before the game's release about what makes a Final Fantasy game, and I think he said something like, "You need to have the best story, the best gameplay, the best graphics. Um, you need to have uh, Moogles and Chocobos." Um, and I saw some people really didn't like that answer, but I thought that was a great answer for what Square Nix does. They try and do something different, but they try to do something that pushes the envelope. I particularly like, like wanted to was highlight... Also, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, but like I do want to just that there was also a bit of tongue-in-cheek in that because he ended that uh, answer with, and if you're missing just one of these people, will hate you forever. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I wanted to highlight one of the things I really enjoyed about the use of the PS5's increased capabilities is in the body language and the facial expressions of the characters. There's intense focus on these, even for quite minor characters. Um, I talk about how Jill and Clive have no chemistry, but one thing I really appreciate, particularly post-game, post-time skip, was the way Clive stands near Jill, the way he moves his hands around her is really quite incredible great work yeah, of, of art uh, and use of increased capabilities which i hadn't thought about like i agree that the romantic chemistry that's that, that's clearly supposed to be there is lacking but the, the but they do make it very evident that these two care for each other yeah no i think that there's some great like the gra- oh, we haven't spoke, spoken about the graphics i guess it goes by without saying this is the best looking game i've ever played in my entire life right we can just Accept that and move on. Mm. Um, I, uh, that's a hard bar pretty... to hit at this point. It, it is probably the most PlayStation Five looking game I've played yet. It's the first like truly next gen thing, other than the Ratchet and Clank game. I mean, when when I walk into the very, it's like a throwaway area forest with Sid early on. It looks like even those areas look incredible. If you just like sit and like walk and look through the amazing detail mm-hmm. of the, the environments like almost everything looks just incredible the load times are really short i've noticed that people online were complaining about performance issues but i haven't noticed that many except with garuda's tornado ability which absolutely crashes the frame right and makes you can't see anything um but besides that i haven't noticed that many performance issues in the game i am running on performance mode and the day one patch probably fixed it but otherwise i haven't noticed anything particularly uh, egregious when i've been playing the one thing I noticed is that there was a lot of uh, clearly manufactured, you have to shimmy through this one thing to get to the next fight, which is uh, extremely yeah, how PlayStation 4 games would solve this problem of hiding a load screen. Right, but I yeah. don't think it's actually a load screen due to how things are structured. I think a bunch of them might actually be an occlusion culling thing so that they can save performance by just having not having a bunch of the level not on screen. <laughs> Could be that, yeah. Or it could be, you know, this is just the rhythm of how these games are because what originally was a kind of performance-saving action has now just become, you know what, this is a great way for us to go and separate scenes. Well, they've been doing it since the Mega Man boss doors, right? <laughs> Where you, you uh, uh, they load the game by going through the doors. Yeah, or uh, Castlevania also- Symphony of the Night has the one screen between save points. 
Yeah. I think they also kind of drop off a fair bit after the time skip, to be honest. I, there's less shimmying. There's more opening doors. I love opening the doors in this game. I don't know why opening doors is a I, mechanic in I this love, game. I love, the, I love the PlayStation 5 controller that makes you, um, that gives you the haptic feedback R, uh, R2 thing uh, when you press the button. Okay, speaking of haptic feedback, this is, I guess, a mild spoiler. There are chocobos in this game. We discussed that already. And there's no chocobo song. There's what? No theme what game. the? F- what in the fuck? All right. There's there's, okay. a, there's like a intro ish song. Mm. They play like one bar of the Chocobo okay. thing. They try. Right. Yeah. Yoshi P gel. I'm going to jail. I'm I, I'm reminded because the Chocobo, of course, is the haptic R1 trigger feedback, and the, the Chocobo once again can drift. Um, okay, all right. uh, but still, as, I don't as know. As custom to the series now. How do you not? But, have to, but yeah, like um, the reason why I think it's more like like a culling thing or something than a loading screen is because they do kind of fall off, and it kind of depends on where you are. If you're in a more you know outdoorsy natural area, there's a there's a bunch of shimmies and ducks and stuff. But you know, get anywhere close to a city, and uh, most of those gears are replaced with uh, with hold R two to open door. Or hold X to pick up an object. I don't know why I gotta hold X to pick up objects, but I have to you hold X. Most to... stuff, which is nice. All games, should... Tears of the Kingdom should have you sucking all ten thousand million things that fall on the ground. Discuss. Um. Yeah, I, I guess we should. You know, Tears of the Kingdom coming out, and then Final Fantasy sixteen coming out right after that. I would say, in so many ways, because I hated Tears of the Kingdom's combat. It feels like I've been living on raw hamburger meat, and I finally got a big, yeah. delicious steak in this combat. But then, everything else about the game in terms of side quests and that sort of thing, Tears of the Kingdom side quests are actually fun and creative, and I like the NPCs, and they're all weird, goofy guys, and now it's like, crap, now the steak was taken away, and they've replaced it with raw hamburger meat. Why can't I have all steak? Why does there have to be so much raw hamburger meat? It's like my favorite sociological experiment where they fed people meat under a black light and then they turned their lights and it turns out all the meat was dyed blue and people would throw up. So that's the kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's rude. I think having played this game just after Tears of the Kingdom because almost everyone did, um, it's kind of the anti-Tears of the Kingdom. The game is very linear. Uh, The combat is actually good as opposed to Tears of the Kingdom combat, which is not in any way. No, um, but I agree that the side quests are different. It's just a very different game. I mean, I'm enjoying Final Fantasy more than Tears of the Kingdom overall, just because I like. I don't know. I just like linear RPGs more than I like other oh, not RPG. But Maybe like that's the the greatest praise we can offer this series. Yoon and Scape. We have not touched Tears of the Kingdom since Final Fantasy 16 has released. Yeah, Tears of the, well, you also just tell the amount of time we put into this game versus Tears of the Kingdom. We weren't playing Tears of the Kingdom every night, but we played this game basically every single night since it came out. So there's, there's that. Uh, there's a pretty big difference there. That might be the damning moment for me because I played this game three days in a row, got up to that side quest point, and I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to rewatch Band of Brothers and then didn't play for about four days. And meanwhile, I played... Just walk away, Blue. Walk away. Go, no, for the red, no. go for the red icon. Go for I'll... the red icon. All right, all right. I will beat this game. It's not going to be Final Fantasy 15 again. I'm actually going to finish it. Uh, Band of Brothers is a great show, by the way. Uh, but There's Tears of the Kingdom, I played 
so friggin' much of. I'd still be playing Tears of the Kingdom if Final Fantasy 16 hadn't come out. I'd still be doing quests. Yeah, I don't know. I just it's just the opposite for me. I kind of Tears of the Kingdom is fun, but I always I also kind of feel like it's it's just not it's not directed enough in, in a way that I. Like Tears of the most. Kingdom lacks thrust, yeah. um, and also the plot is extremely boring. Yeah, the plot's bad. The plot is <laughs> d- very disappointing in Tears of the Kingdom. There's a it's lot completely that's... uninspired. Well, it's not uninspired. It's just it's not finished. Is the problem with that one. But we, we don't need to spoil that game. This is a Final Fantasy yeah. podcast. The the Zelda yeah. wiki, they can start their podcast and they can go take care of that. It's uh, okay. Yoshi P showed up on stream playing Tears of the Kingdom instead of doing his uh, live stream, so we can do it too. By the way, I mean, oh, y- Uni, you said you hadn't died yet. Has anybody died playing this game? Has anyone yes. gotten the game over? Yes, we, but I, I, oh. I died when playing, but I died in exactly the same part that SCM died. Is that there's the very first time that's an instant death. Yeah, but the, you that, that, you die. Okay, so other than total bullshit, the game is basically unlosable too. Uh, if you do the Garuda only challenge, where you only play using uh, Guj and trying to time the counter, which has the really sick spinny animation, which makes you die to a pathetic Dragoon enemy you totally shouldn't have died to, coughing. Uh, no, yes, uh, yeah, this, this, this game is fine. No one dies like that. Yahoo. This is very specific. Yeah. Hi. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, but as I said before, like, the game's boss fights feel great, and you feel like you're in danger when you're playing them in their They're amazing. I, yeah, they're just I think amazing. That's, I think that's important, uh, more so than in an actual... I think actual difficulty... I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, if you died to... You know, dying to Riku, you know, you know, Kairi Kairi We know. Eyes, yep. um, Kairi's it's, inside it's, me? It's, yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's... It's fun to an extent, but also you don't want to just... I mean, when you make a game, I think developers don't want to block people off by making a game too difficult. And you can maybe argue that they should have unlocked the harder difficulty beforehand. Like, there's a there's a new game plus with a harder difficulty. Mm-hmm. But then, then there's also the argument that people might just pick hardest difficulty and then leave the game because they're unhappy. It's always a difficult balance because very hard for gamers, and gamers with capital G, which is, I think, unfortunately oh, no. includes us. Oh no! Uh, oh no! You may be a hardcore gamer. Skatrus uh, is a person who has done the limit cut bosses with all pro codes on. Okay. So, in terms of, but um, the really do want difficulty in games, but I think that it's difficult. Like a very very hard game is actually a pretty small desire subset of yeah. people who are particularly online and loud. And I do think that this game is easy. Um, but but it still was, rewards you was, for yeah, it was, it learning. It rewards you for playing well, and it, and it feels, in the game, when you're playing the good boss fights and not doing collecting wood, the game feels great to play. And I think that's really, ultimately, what's important. You know, I think uh, part of the difficulty might also be, uh, despite how limited your potion supply looks, healing is surprisingly generous. Like, like two, like... You know, not only is that small stock of potions that uh, you can have already almost sufficient for any occasion. Uh, after the second time skip, you unlock two side quests very early whose goals are, whose, uh, whose rewards are that one of them gives you like a permanent 20% buff to all potions. And one of them gives you like, you can, you can hold 1.5 times as many potions. 
And when you get into like that final act, you unlock another potion that is uh, like, if you die, this this instantly gets used, and you get buffs to all your stats for a minute after using it. Damn. Ah, uh, the Koopa coin. Ah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. you basically get a Koopa coin. But can but the final boss steal your Koopa coin with a bullshit uh, nightmare attack? Oh wait, is there a super boss in this game at all? I don't know. I don't think I there is. I really want them to release e- even more than episodes did. I think I want them to release a limit cut DLC type thing because okay. like, limit cut was incredible, um, and I'd love yeah. to see them do something like this. Even though the philosophy of boss design is quite different from Kingdom Hearts Three, which I found interesting, it, uh, they did ask the Kingdom Hearts team how to make an action RPG um, but I found that the boss design and the rhythm of the combat feels quite different to Kingdom Hearts yeah what I notice is the big difference with this game is that this is you're practically always on the offense it's very Bayonetta where Kingdom Hearts yeah. 3's most difficult bosses especially the organization rematches those are all about finding the very tight windows when you can go and land a big fuck-off combo on things and wipe out two bars of health. Where in this game, you're constantly... Right, yeah, Kingdom Hearts thing is uh, is very push and pull. Like, yeah. you, like you know, the, the enemy gets to pull off a combo string, you get to pull off a combo string. Sometimes you can hit a dude in the exact right way in the middle of their combo string to get a free combo string of your own. Not really a lot of that in um, in sixteen, because like the only ways to like interrupt an enemy aside from just dodging, blocking, or dodging the attack entirely, is get their stagger gauge to halfway or get their stagger gauge to empty. Yeah, you just play the Garuda counter only playstyle mode. That, that's and what it, you and, do. Yeah, and you do unlock a block eventually. Oh, oh, I don't know. Blocks there are for is... cowards. All right, no. Huh? Yeah, Game of Hearts is okay, a very much the, a, a, the, a block, the block game. You go full JoJo. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, it is Bayonetta because but, you dodge uh, and then you get to punish like immediately. You get even like a slow down witch move at some point. You get like witch time to hit enemies with if you do it perfectly. Like, actually, I should just explain the blocks because, like, okay, they're part of Titans' move sets. Like his uh, his uh, standard ability that you always have with that icon on is like a block that if you time if you time it and block something with it, you counter with like this three hit combo that ends with a huge uppercut. And the other one is uh, this one ability that's basically just a JoJo punching attack where where like here going then just just fucking punch them ten times in a row. Which also starts with a block, and if that triggers the block, it like triples the amount of hits it does. This game does reward time. defensive play. Yeah, it does. If you want to play more of a reactive style um, instead of purely proactive, I think it does have elements that let you do that. I'd also be excited to play the new game plus and try the uh, the difficult game mode. Honestly, I, I think I'd be interested in trying that. Yeah. Um, and I'd also be interested in hoping them releasing some super bosses. There probably are some super bosses in this game, but I, I don't know the answer to that question. I've, I... I've basically spoiled myself as little as possible, except to look at people hatefully complaining about this game online. For some reason. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I, I don't, don't know think why there he's are. doing that. I've been trying to stop him. I expect the S rank hunts are supposed to be like the equivalent of super bosses, because 
I mean, they, they once once you've got them down, they go down about as easily as any other boss slash hunt. But uh, if they hit you just due to uh, pure level advantage at the time they're unlocked, they hit really goddamn hard. Yeah, I I can't find any. It doesn't look like there is anything. That's interesting because super bosses have been like a major part of this series, going back to Final Fantasy VI. Well, they huh. forgot to put some in Kingdom Hearts 3, so, until the DLC. No, they had that one. That, uh, that crappy... It was a terrible boss, Yeah, though. it sucked. Yeah, yeah it was, it was terrible. Where was Sephiroth? Where Maybe we should just Sephiroth? put Sephiroth as a boss battle, as a super boss battle in this game as well. He's just like, yeah. he's here. He's everywhere. He's in the moon. He's in Clive's mind. He's just here. Hello. In Rosaria. Hello, Cloud. I mean, Clive. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'm your I'm your everything. <laughs> Sephiroth, you don't understand. No, There's Joshua? nothing I don't cherish. <laughs> Joshua! Oh. Joshua's definitely coming back. I promise you that. I mean, it, it, it does... Well... You know, you never know. Maybe maybe Joshua's actually just a... a, a you know, a... Maybe Joshua was Sephiroth the whole time. It was like a collective illusion by Clive. Maybe Joshua was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so, I, I think we might be winding down. Is that how the energy feels right now? Um, I mean, we've still got some news to quickly go over, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, like, are we mostly through our thoughts of Final Fantasy sixteen twenty yeah, slash 10 hours in? I mean, I'm good with, yeah, I'm good on that sense, yeah. Okay. I, I think I think that ultimately we're all quite positive about this game. I think it's unabashedly the best Final Fantasy game they've released since 2006, right? Number Final Fantasy game. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. 14. It is. Which... It's the first Final Fantasy game in a very long time that I am not in some way embarrassed by. That isn't a remake. Yeah. It's worth playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I think I think that if you if you like Final Fantasy games, if you like action games this game is great i think you should buy it if you like games where you collect wood um if you like another another great uh, another great game as well um but i don't know if if you want a story driven you know rpg you get a story driven game this is not an rpg in the sense that you don't have you know i, I don't even know what how we define rpg this is another question i suppose there aren't but really dis- there aren't any strategic decisions you can make in the combat really I think that's what it's missing. Yeah. There's no creativity to it. Yeah. You can argue that maybe there should have been elemental weaknesses and things like that. And this, these are all things we could critique. I mean, I, I don't think like, the combat is I'm, perfect. I'm but... fine with no elemental weaknesses because yeah, you're limited in how many elemental movesets you can have at once. But I reckon they could have made each of the icons do something actually different with the standard attacks. Like, the combo, the physical combo doesn't change at all. The uh, the magic attacks only change their particle effect. They don't do anything different. Yeah, I think there are some definitely some. It could have made it a little bit more complex in some in some aspects, but I think that the I've never played a game that feels like playing a Final Fantasy cutscene right before, and I think that's what they were going for, and I think they hit that very well. Yeah, there was a long period in the PlayStation 2 era 
we'd be playing a piece of shit game like Turgis Cerberus and the combat yeah. was so bad and it's like the lamest slowest third person shooter you could imagine and then like in the cutscenes Vincent is this incredible god that can move so fast and do all this cool stuff and you can't do any of that shit and it's no fun at all and they finally and made it you can actually do that yeah, yeah you can do all that stuff I'm just ah. reminded that uh, Koji Fox, the the trans, the lead translator for 16 and formerly of 14, one of his earliest Square Enix works with Dirtus Cerberus. Oh man, that's a I'm bad right. script. That that's a bad script. He grew as a person. He did. We all did. I right? don't know about you guys, but I was quite not anxious, but a bit nervous about this game coming out because it just hasn't been a great Final Fantasy mainline series for a long time and it's a series that obviously we of the FF he really wants to see do well so I'm, I'm so glad this is a good game it's a great game yeah you know I, I've been negative I would say this is a really good video game and so far it is probably the second best game I've played this year I think you're in the nadir right now Blue I think you're probably you know who, who knows it could go out could go to hell in the last two hours of the game but i think right now where you are is probably what i would describe as the lowest point in the game there's so two I points hope that in the game where you do get dumped in weird side yeah. quests i hope that stuff. you'll enjoy but, clawing out yeah well here's but, what i'm gonna do i i've i think we mentioned this off mic but it turns out that the only side quests you actually want to do are the ones with a plus sign next to them so i'm gonna go those and, are the only ones you have to do yeah, yeah. so i'm gonna go those are the ones that unlock stuff yeah, so I got, like, five green exclamation points around me. I'm going to go walk past those guys, two middle fingers up, go mainline right to the next major thing, and then have the time of my life. Yes. I would recommend you do, post the second time skip, the quest about uh, Otto's backstory, because I thought that was quite sweet. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. The side quests aren't just boring. Most of them don't really have much of a plot relevance yet, but maybe we'll get more. Yeah. In the second half, there are plot-relevant side quests, okay. but I think it's pretty obvious which ones are plot-relevant in the sense that you can see which characters are, you know, the important characters that give you important side quests, right? Yeah, right. and it depends if you just yeah. like the character, like, if you like, uh, what's-his-face, Blackthorn, do the Blackthorn side quests. Yeah, if you and like, there's like a Quentin very... for some reason, you can have the Quentin yeah, Deep Law side quests. <laughs> yeah, but like, also, uh, at uh, some, uh, during that post-second time skip, uh, you know, sometimes uh, story-important characters will just mail side quests to you, like like you have a, like you have a little, uh, little, uh, little filing, filing shelf for, for letters in, uh, in Clive's bedroom post-second time skip, and, uh, and sometimes in addition to them just sending, oh, oh, thank you for help with this side quest stuff, sometimes they just they just send you a plot hook for another side quest. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> you want to do news? Let's do, like, our three bits of news that we got. Okay. okay. Alright. So, first big piece of news. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. Have you heard of this video game? It has, uh, it sold three million copies in its first week, which is quite good. Okay. It is not, however, probably good enough for Technobliterator to win his bet. Of, I think it needs to sell 12 million. Is that right? In, in, it's 10 million by the end of the year. 
Is it ten million by the end of the year? Yeah. Okay. Have you been ten million PlayStation five something? <laughs> there are, yeah. There's like forty million. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Okay. Technobliter could win that bet. I probably should have gone with twelve. It's got to be tight. Uh, I mean, I still think it's a bit of an uphill battle because, like, you know, ten million was last year 15's lifetime sales. Depends on and... when the PC version will come out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, the uh, PC version can't come out this year. Like the uh, the exclusivity deal oh, expires on like September thirty first. You can definitely do some yep. to mods. I think mods all the FF fourteen players that don't want to buy a PS five will buy will likely buy this game when it goes to PC. Yeah. Like I believe Yoshida also did say at one point that uh, the uh, that the PC version won't be released as soon as exclusivity is up because uh, PC optimization takes a lot of work. When has Square Enix ever attempted to do that? I care about PC optimization. Yeah. Well, this when is does anyone anymore? Yeah, when did they ever try? No, no one makes good PC ports anymore. Nothing runs anymore. Video games are too complicated. Like, like this is like this is the fourth. This is the same studio that brought us fourteen. They actually tried to make a game that works for PC. That's true. Like, okay. yeah. like it is kind of amazing that they managed to hammer, you know the the dying remains of crystal tools into into you know these two games 14 and 16 <laughs> and does, actually have them fucking work does final fantasy 14 run on the crystal engine it runs, it runs on, on the, the modified the they yeah. didn't they didn't have time to make a new engine for a realm reborn so they took the the 14 1.0 engine which was crystal tools tore out all the shit in it and just and just basically winged it from there but and playing final fantasy 15 you can really see that they how you can feel that people were just full of joy to move off that engine onto unreal engine for kingdom hearts 3 and, and 7 remake because just playing 15 you can just feel the game is just not it's like furious hamsters running in the background trying to keep it together the it other looks great on playstation okay. 5 though looks great the other problem is that it's not going to run 60 FPS constantly, and that's what PC gamers and gamers seem to want now. That's suddenly the standard, and it seems to be a practically impossible one. So if it doesn't run 60 FPS stable upon initial release, there will be a huge angry Reddit thread about it, assuming Reddit survives that long, because who knows how much the internet will be left by the end of 2023 is the good question. I don't know how we've, we've come to this when if all these people are like the same age as us, we, they grew up playing just complete jank. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't I can't get over the, the 60 FPS thing just seems, I, I, I can't, I, I'm not going to get into it. That's, that's a discourse that I'm going to get myself into trouble with. Uh, how about the next news? Yeah. How about the next news story? Um, there is a rumor that Final Fantasy VI a remake of that is highly desired by a lot of Square Enix staff. This uh, was reported by Nosy Pixel. Uh, Yoshinori Kitase is the one that said it, actually. But Kitase hates Final Fantasy VII's soundtrack, so he's cancelled. He is cancelled? So... What a... What a oh, I have to fight him, too. <laughs> but uh, between I mean... uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, Final Fantasy IX remake, Final Fantasy X remake... Um, Will there be room for Final Fantasy VI remake? And one of those is complete bullshit. You you have to figure it out. Yeah, you have to figure out which one. 
Oh, and Final Fantasy Tactics remake too, which is heavily rumored. I wouldn't be surprised if they attacked this remake because they did a Tactics Ogre remake. Um, yeah. Last year. So, but they already kind of did a Tactics remake. But I don't know. Final Fantasy Tactics is, is great. Um, what they should do in a remake is remove Thunder God Sid from the playable party, and the game will be much more balanced. No. Uh, but but then ultimately the answer would be no. They should replace Thunder God Sid with Sid from Final Fantasy Sixteen. But he's also found a godsend. Yeah, making even more okay. Yeah, but he loses tastefully. Something okay. that Tactic Sid is incapable of doing because he is tasteful, but he cannot lose. Yeah, if Thunder God Sid had job to Ultima, and then you were able to fight Ultima at the end of that game, it would have been much more epic. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> anyway, last news story. This came out a couple days ago. Um, so Microsoft is in the middle of a gigantic lawsuit with the FTC involving their attempts to go and buy Activision Blizzard. Uh, one of those things was a large, like, during Discovery, all kinds of documents about basically everything involving Xbox and Sony came out. It's this incredible treasure trove of information that you'd never know about anything. Like, one of the things we found out is that uh, Last of Us Part Two apparently had, like, a $200 million budget. Uh, so, Microsoft was looking to buy a number of companies, or, like, was considering buying it. Like, they had internal conversations about this. One of those was Sega. One of those was a company called uh, Square Enix. But I guess that never quite happened. Microsoft are the dumbest fuckers in the industry at the moment. <laughs> yeah, the idea was you know, uh, combining Square Enix's robust mobile native portfolio with our own could potentially help us create a modal, motive native Xbox Pass SKU and have suspense. You know, this is all corporate speak. Also, you know, they're very interested in moving into the Asian markets, which they completely failed at trying to do back in the Xbox 360 era. I think that um, it's emblematic by the fact that they, there's three really big, um, you know, uh, the three big companies released their three big games, Tears of the Kingdom, Final Fantasy 16, and then Microsoft released some horrible vampire game that was apparently terrible. And I think that just kind of... It, it, yeah, the yeah of like Microsoft's priorities can just show you how, how done they are. Like, like they, had, they had, you know, two, two games... They had like two games in this uh, in this period that, that you know you could point and draw attention to. There was Hi-Fi Rush, which was uh, a, apparently a very very good rhythm action game. It's quite good. Uh, I played it. And, I recommend it. Right. Yeah. And then and then Redfall, which was a completely fucking broken piece of shit that the devs were hoping that Microsoft would cancel when they got bought out. Guess which one Microsoft gave more attention to? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but they are releasing a little video game called Starfall soon. So there will be one gigantic, probably well-reviewed game from each one of the major console manufacturers. And technically, 16 isn't even a Square... isn't even a Sony game. That's going to be um, oh, uh, Spider-Man 2. I mean, yes, yeah, Star- uh, what's it called? Starfall will probably be well-reviewed, but it's a Bethesda open-world game, which means you don't want to play it on a console anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know if that game's going to be for me anyway. I mean, there's no spiky-haired dudes, there's no angst, there's 
you know, screaming about your little brother who is a phoenix bird that you're eating, you know, all kinds of things. You know how it is. Yeah, you know how it is. This is this is what the people want. All right. Yeah, I mean, I could I could go for a big phoenix omelet right now. It looks pretty tasty. Hmm. That that egg in Final Fantasy VII that looked tasty. The big egg on top of the Fort Condor. Yeah, yeah, that looked like a big. You could have a big omelet of that thing. Oh, I'm so ready. Well, don't get me started on the FF15 deliciously rendered food as well. I'm yeah, really the food so is hungry. not well rendered in this game. It's like a zero to ten. It doesn't look edible. It's all purple what? stew. What? Wait, but the like apples. The, the apples look like the apples. Cabbage. They're not like low poly crap like in Final Fantasy 14. Remember the Final Fantasy 14 yeah, the apples? apples? Uh, the 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 grape crystal incident, but um, yeah, the the apples look good. I mean, there are. There are a couple of quests where you help uh, someone make food, but like, uh, the, but like the uh, recipes sound like the most horrific things imaginable, and uh, and like everyone's response to eating it is like, is like this is the most delicious thing that uh, that gave me stomach cramps ever. <laughs> the they could have gone out and made all the food in the camping, uh, ball camping for two years before making this game, like they did in Final Fantasy Fifteen. It was a good use of their budget. <laughs> You know what they should have done? This game should have been a musical. Yeah, we, I agree. We open on Clive's I Want song when he's a slave, and you have all the slaves join in, and it's a big baritone section, and it could have been amazing, and yeah, well. I think that, yeah, the icons, I think the icons are perfect. Perfect time for musical views. Oh I my god. Perfect. Imagine Sid, and he's got like 70s glam metal song to him. Uh, it sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. We need to we need to make this. All right, <clears throat> I think we should wrap up the podcast though. So uh, this sounds is the, good. yeah, this is the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast. We do this monthly. Um, we are hosted by a guy named Blue Highwind who also produces the show. So any problems that you have with sound or anything like that, that's all his fault. He's an asshole. He's lazy. Should do a better job. Uh, this podcast should be available on most platforms, uh, except for Apple Podcasts. I don't know how to get us on there. Uh, this podcast music is uh, La Montana de los Jovenes Caballeros, which is by Expert Novice, which is the Mount Colts music from Final Fantasy VI. It's from the OC Remix Balance and Ruin album. Thank you so much for letting us use that music. We'll be back at the end of July, where we'll talk about a game called Final Fantasy XVI again. And then talk about some other stuff, I presume. Also a game called Final Fantasy XIV. I think stuff's happening there. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go to sleep.